Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Benny J, hit him with that song of the day. Oh. Um, uh, well, I had a song of the day, but I, I forgot how it goes. So I was thinking one that I do know. Okay. Because this is all part of something that's coming up. This is, what do they tease. call it? What? A tease. It's a te- tease. In radio, they call it a tease. Yeah. Uh, could it be I'm falling in love with you, baby? You know that song, Dave? No. <laughs> Anybody, you know that song? I know that song. You know could that song? I'm falling in love. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm that's the only one who doesn't know it. Yeah, that's because you're a millennial. Uh, <laughs> it's the spinners, man. The spinners. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Tuesday, December 31st, New Year's Eve. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, we're talking reefer with Lisa Solomon of the Chicago Reader. It's even more reefer talk with writer and Ben's dear friend, Milo Samarja. And no, we're not smoking reefer. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this What a Year It Was Tuesday, and here's why. Great weekend. You have a good weekend, D? Yeah, I had a great weekend. <laughs> I had Tuesday. A, uh, yeah, I had a great weekend. I just want to say this. Uh, my kids were in town. They've all, they've left. They're going back to their places. But when they were in town, they had this huge party at my house. They do it all the time when they come in at Christmas time. And uh, tons of people came over. All their old friends came in. And my job, I was given a job. You know what my job was? Oh, I know your job. But tell everybody. I was the coat man. Oh, yeah. It's like, Dad, you're the guy who stands at the door and collects coats. Actually, you don't stand at the door when the... the the doorbell goes ding dong. You go to the door and you open up. Hello, hi, welcome to my home. Let me take your coat. Well, thanks for telling everybody what a doorbell sounds oh, like. Yeah, I'm sure they needed help with that. Well, you didn't know what the spinners were. Oh, yeah. I'm just helping you out a doorbell little bit. Doorbell and the spinners. How can a guy not know what the spin? But you know what? That's all part of the show. What do you call, what you call it, D? Teasing. <laughs> we're going to get to all this music stuff in a little bit. Anyway, I'm the coat man. I stand at the front door. I greet the people when they come in. I take their coats. I learn something about human nature, D. What's that? When you stand at the front door and you collect the coats, are different types of people in the world. I know you know that, but I'm just telling you that. Okay. There's different types of people in the world, and you learn this when you take their coats. For instance, there's the paranoid type. The paranoid type is when you go, let me take your coat. And they look at you, and they're like, I don't know if I want to give you my coat. I want to hold. I think I want to hold on to my coat because I'm afraid that if I give you my coat, I won't get the coat back. That's the paranoid type, D. And you learn that when you go to take their coat. You can see the little brains going as they look for options. So I'm going, no, I think I'll wear it. And then, of course, me, you know, me, I argument at any time. Well, it's hot in the house. Why would you wear your coat? Like a kid I went to grade school with who would wear his coat in the school. No, I think I'll wear my coat. That's okay. I'll wear and sometimes it's a woman and they clutch their coat. I mean, <laughs> I'll be like, give me that coat. Anyway, then there's the one that like they're like like figuring things out. So they see there's hooks next to the door. I know what. No, I'm just gonna put my coat on the hook. And I'm like, okay, you can put your coat on the hook. But I'm just telling you, there's a chance that someone will take that coat. I'm just saying that. And then, uh oh. Then they start weighing, and you know. What's the odds of me losing my coat, giving it to this guy, or put it on the hook? So that's the paranoid type. And then again, there is the great uh, end of the year talk here. Uh, coat then, talk. Then there's the Zaza Gabor type, which is the exact opposite of the paranoid type. Zaza Gabor was just like, I, man, I don't know anybody in this room knows Zaza Gabor. Too, I know wow. who that is. Yeah, yeah. Everybody in the room yeah, knows yeah. Zaza. Anyway, Zaza Gabor, which you go on the Johnny Carson show way back when. Hello, darling. I thought she, it was Zaza Gabor. All right, Zaza, Zaza. There's a basketball player named Zaza. Patrulia. Wow. By the way, Zaza Patrulia, very good for knowing that. Uh, and by the way, that's Joshua. Joshua, who will be on the show. Joshua Patrulia. Yeah. Uh, Zaza Patrulia looks very much like our guest, 
Milo Samarja will be here at 2 o'clock hour. When he comes in, go. Try not to call him Zsa Anyways, as I go over, oh, darling, just take the coat. So they're sort of like, oh, the servant, take the coat. So it's the paranoid type, clutches the coat, and then the Zaza type. Anyway, what was I talking about? Coats. Oh, yeah. It's the end of the year, folks. That's what I really wanted to talk about. These parties always happen at the end of the year. I'm the coat man. Uh, and a lot of great stories. We're going to be going through the stories of the year, the great, uh, you know, what a year it was. And, you know, Dee, when I was looking at the list of stories uh, that we're going to run through, they, the also general categories, uh, taxes, uh, race relations, politics, uh, animal stories, always animal stories. Larry Lujak, there was a discharge many years ago named Larry Lujak and he did a show a segment on a show called Animal Stories he would tell funny the thing I liked about Larry Lujak who's the first guy I ever known who would make paper sounds like this I learned that from oops I just <laughs> oh wow what's that guy's name <laughs> Larry Lujak wow you're no Larry Lujak he just, just ripped the paper I ripped my paper Oh, it's the 2010, the decade review. Anyway, it's got every front page of it. Code talk. Uh, And uh, corruption stories. And, of course, reefer stories. Lots of marijuana stories in in 2019 and going into 2020. Because reefer is now legal, or will be legal within 24 hours. Right, Lisa? Our next guest is the expert on uh, all things reefer. It'll be legal in the next year. And so everybody's talking about it. And I, I really enjoy this immensely because for years and years and years, pretty much everybody smoked marijuana, but nobody talked about it. They pretended they didn't do it because it was illegal. So we all sort of dedicated ourselves to this lie. This lie being that we didn't smoke it. We didn't know anybody didn't smoke it. We didn't want to be around it because it was illegal and it was it was inappropriate. And like parents wouldn't talk to their kids about it. But meanwhile, they'd go in the backyard and do it themselves and then pretend they wouldn't do it themselves. And then they'd be like, if I could just tie the world of sports. Like, I remember hearing conversations like uh, uh, an athlete would get busted for smoking reefer. He'd flunk a drug test. And then I would hear these guys on the radio talking about how immature he is because he smoked reefer. Well, he's mature. Should we give him a contract? Uh, let's go. We got, let's go. We got Butch and Berwin. Butch, what do you think? Oh, a guy like that who smoked a reefer, I don't think he should get a contract. That's Butch and Berwin. That's a good point. But I think he's grown up since then. And then, like, the, the, the athletes, their handlers would come up with a statement saying, I've learned my mistake. <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody... Like Butch and Berwin, the disc jockey, uh, the talk show host would be smoking reefer. We lived utter hypocrisy, folks, for years and years and years on this subject. And now, mercifully, at least that one part of the hypocrisy has ended, and we're going to have legal reefer. And so maybe they'll stop testing. I think they still test athletes for marijuana. MLB so- just announced they're going to stop testing. The other sports still testing, but I think the NFL will stop. Lisa Solomon, we're going to bring her on. Sorry, real. This woman knows more about marijuana than anyone. Wait, just I, which which sport? MLB, baseball. Yeah, baseball just announced. All right, now baseball. It's funny you should say that. Baseball would to me would be the one that would be most concerned about marijuana. You smoke a joint, go up and try to hit a ball. The ball's coming at you. That's just me speaking. I would have a really hard time with it. Uh, just alignment and football. What difference does it make if he's smoking marijuana? I don't know. Football's a crazy sport, uh, and not the least of which is that they make marijuana illegal. Anyway, what the point about marijuana is, it's a very hard year. Uh, we've so much violence in our country, so much corruption in our country, strained relationships uh, are on the national level. I could go on and on. I just realized, Dee, I was reading a story. Uh, I owe all this, um, just talking about the national defense uh, budget is $736 billion. That's billion with a B. Uh, Congress passed that uh, a couple weeks ago, signed by Donald Trump. $736 billion in one year. And we're worried about yes, what... that's billion with a B. That is correct. Thank you very much, Lori Lightfoot. And we're worried about whether we have enough money for nurses and schools and stuff. $736 billion. That's a lot of money. 10% of that is, I'm not that good in math, $730 billion. Uh, no, I mean, $73 billion. That's 10% of what we're spending on one year, just one year on, on military. That would be more than enough to fund every freaking school in the country. Anyway, uh, so a little reefer will help go a long way in dealing with uh, the miseries, the pain, the violence, 
uh, in the insanity of the world. Let's hope the next year is better than this year. All right, folks. All right, we got a great show. To help get on to the next year, we have Lisa Solomon. She's already spoken up. She's the reader's uh, marijuana. She's not smoking up in here, you know what I mean? Oh, that Dennis has got a million. Happy New Year, everybody. Let's call it cannabis. The cannabis expert. Uh, uh, Reefer is an old name. You're from the gonna 60s. call it Reefer every single time. <laughs> uh, Milo Samarja, one of the great writers in the city of Chicago, a dear friend of mine. The man knows more about marijuana reefer. Uh, he knows about it from when he first smoked it in the 60s. I figured with marijuana legal uh, in the uh, 21st century, I'd bring on someone who's been smoking it since the 60s. Uh, Milo Samarjo being here. He's also a great writer, very funny guy, uh, and who'll be talking about all the stuff of the day. Joshua Smizer de Leon, a surprise guest. He's in the studio. He's the host of the, uh, p- p- how do I pronounce it? Paseo Podcast. Pa- Paseo Podcast. And uh, he's going to be uh, chiming in from time to time on all kinds of issues. But the big thing, the big thing that he's going to have to deal with, we have a huge playlist showdown trivia contest coming up. The winner will get a blue Mustang. Uh, okay. And no, we're uh, not doing that. No uh, one wins anything. I, I oh, saw. Th- <laughs> I know. <laughs> wait, wait, here it is. Oh, Here's the blue. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> For those listening, he's got a toy car, blue toy car. Lisa's like, "Gang, I want a car. Uh, make it work." Yeah. So anyway, plenty of talk ahead with Joshua Boy. He doesn't know what <laughs> this little trick I have up my sleeve here. Uh, it has to do. I'll give you one example. I, one of the songs I already sang. It could be "I'm Falling in Love" and this other song, "High Hopes," which I had never heard of in my entire life by a group called Panic at the Disco, which I had never heard of. I know Lisa's like, you never heard of that? Anyway, uh, so we're going to get into that, the great music uh, trivia showdown uh, with Joshua Smizer de Leon. But before we do any of that, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, back home, they call him Dr. D with the news. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> I'm Dennis. Never been a doctor in my life. All right. If you can hear this, you made it. The year 2020 begins tomorrow. Way to stay alive, everybody. And hey, here's something uh, not that original at all. To celebrate the new year today and today only on the Ben Jarofsky Show, we're having a top 10 end of the year countdown. That's correct. <laughs> and <laughs> since it's and since it's kind of what we do. I love Mueller. And since it's kind of what we do, let's make it a top 10 stories in Chicago Ooh. and or Illinois countdown. And Ben, let's not F around here, all right? No more coat talk. How about we say we get right to it, starting with number 10? What do you say? All right, let's get down. All right, let's do it. By the way, time out, where's my Mueller report? Okay, get over <laughs> the Mueller report. We're doing the top 10. Oh, sorry. <laughs> number 10. All right. Number 10. <laughs> Oh, I got to play this piece of audio. Here's number 10. Mm-hmm. Don't you think voters should get to decide whether to change Illinois' tax system? This is fair and necessary. It's time for change. Let's make our tax system fair. Yes, our number 10 story happened on May 27th, 2019, when Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker's graduated income tax plan got on the 2020 November ballot. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Tina Spondelez landing Governor J.B. Pritzker a huge Memorial Day win. The Illinois House along strictly partisan lines approved a November 2020 ballot question that will ask voters if they wish to change the state's income tax structure from a flat tax to the graduated tax that Pritzker is championing. The flat tax rate has been part of the state's constitution since 1970, a year after the income tax was first enacted. But in a historic move, the House voted 73 to 44 to let voters decide next year, aka tomorrow, whether to amend (laughs) the constitution to allow for the graduated rate under which high earners would pay more. The proposed constitutional amendment, amendment which passed the Senate on May 1st does not require the governor's approval. It does, however, need the support of either 60% of those voting on the question or a simple majority of those voting in the election overall. Since then, the Pritzker administration donated $5 million of his own money. By the way, in case you didn't know, he's filthy rich, guys. (laughs) But Pritzker donated $5 million of his own money to a ballot initiative committee earlier this month. The committee solely exists to, quote, support the proposed graduated income tax amendment to the Illinois Constitution. And boy, you got to hand it to the governor on titling this committee and campaign. We've already seen a few ads about it. 
vote yes for fairness. What are you supposed to do? Vote opposed to fairness? Well, you're not for fairness. But putting $5 million of your own money into your own plan, is that fair? Listen, I couldn't tell you. But regardless, it's J.B. Pritzker's graduated tax plan getting on the ballot, our number 10 Chicago and or Illinois story of 2019. I'm with J.B. 100% on this one. And uh, listen, it's just a drop in the bucket, that $5 million that he kicked in, because the other side's going to be poning up a lot of money, too. And the advantage is to uh, with the other side. This is the 10th story. It could be the most important story. Of course, it's been the, uh, the one of our top stories in Illinois for the last, will be three years, because we used to talk about this in 2018. This was a big issue uh, in the gubernatorial race. I guess you could divide the world into two types. Uh, people like me and people like my uh, the editorial writers at the Chicago Tribune were sort of like on different sides sides in this issue. The Chicago Tribune is railing against the fair tax. I support the fair tax. The Tribune sort of believes every uh, man or woman for him or herself. It's a jungle out there. Let's get what we can. F you if you can't survive. I'm more into the shared sacrifice camp. If we're going to share sacrifice, I think it's only appropriate that the wealthier people pay a bigger portion of their money uh, to pay for all the obligations we have, because let's get this straight, folks. Uh, they have more money to give. And when they pay a little bit more in taxes, they have more money left over. It's as basic and obvious as the sun rising in the east uh, every day. But uh, it's going to be a tough sell. There's just a knee-jerk reaction that people have, in uh, just in general, to paying taxes. Even if they're not paying taxes and somebody else is, they're still have a knee-jerk reaction to it. you got to get 60% of the vote to have this pass. And that referendum will happen in November during the presidential election. So a lot of attention uh, will be diverted onto the Trump who versus whoever is running against Trump on the Democratic side. So it's going to be very difficult for Pritzker. He's probably going to have to pony up more money than that $5 million to get it done. And like I said, the other side's not messing around. They pretty much own the Chicago Tribune, so they're going to have them as a platform to broadcast against this fair tax. They're probably, like the Tribune's already blaming taxes uh, for people leaving Illinois. There's a lot of reason why people leave Illinois. I would say uh, the temperature and the weather has something to do. Maybe legalizing reefer will get more people to stay in Illinois and deal with the weather. Uh, but uh, so anyway, I would like to see a reduction in property taxes if possible. That's a, a reason, a motivating factor why people are leaving Chicago. And you, if you can raise the, uh, the income tax, if you can make a progressive rate, then that'd be the first step to cutting the more regressive taxes. At least that's the principle. That's the idea. Whether it actually happens in practice, I don't know. Whether uh, it's going to raise enough money for to, uh, utter fairness that I would like to see. I'm not certain, but I do know this. It's a step in the right direction. So this is not only an important story, D, from 2019 and 2018. It'll be a big story in 2020 uh, and leading right up into the November election. So there you are. Number 10, moving on. I love this music. Number nine. Oh, yeah. Feeling this music, man. I've seen a whole lot of catfish, some turtles. <laughs> uh, no gators yet, though. <laughs> yes, number nine <laughs> is when that damn alligator was in the humble park lagoon. That hipster dude, I've seen a lot. <laughs> oh, bro, man. Oh, bro. I saw a turtle. <laughs> It was a ninja turtle. All right. Number nine is when that damn alligator was in the Humboldt Park Lagoon, July 8th, 2019, a time when there was literally no local news to talk about. Lori Lightfoot was only in her second month as mayor, so still too new to really agitate anyone. And we all know that eventually happened. We'll get there, guys. We're at number nine. But there was no local news. So when this story broke, all of Chicago media treated it like a godsend. <laughs> CNN was even talking about it. But Black Club Chicago got the scoop with their July 9th article. Yes, there's an alligator living in the Humboldt Park Lagoon. The alligator sighting started Tuesday morning. A long gator was cruising along the calm waters of the Humboldt Park Lagoon. Witnesses didn't quite believe their eyes, and there was some initial skepticism. But Tuesday evening, Chicago police confirmed an official sighting and announced that plans are in place to catch it and give it a checkup. After that night, and who would have predicted me saying this at the beginning of 2019? Chicago, Illinois turned into Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> we had a good old-fashioned Florida Gator chase on our hands, and boy, did it get weird. Here's the Chicago Tribune headline. July 10th, Humboldt Park Gators search stretches into second day with traps set and 
volunteer circling lagoon. Enter Gator Bob. If we could find the animal, we can capture the animal. <laughs> yes. Alligator Bob. Wait, which one was Gator Bob? I always the get him first mixed guy. Up. Oh, the first guy. Okay. Alligator Bob, a volunteer who declined to have his full name That's used. Right. Yeah. And who works with Chicago <laughs> officials to capture wayward exotic animals was sent out to Humboldt Park to catch that damn alligator. And it didn't take long for us to understand why he declined to have his full name used. Because he wasn't that good. Ah, oh, come on. See? What? He didn't even catch it. <laughs> come on. That's so mean. Here's the Chicago Tribune headline. July 11th. Oh. Alligator at Humboldt Park Lagoon evading capture for third day. July 12th. Humboldt Park alligator stays out of sight as effort to capture beast enters fourth day. They called it a beast. This went on for four days. Block Club Chicago eventually started selling alligator uh, t-shirts. People were coming from all over the city to see it. And Alligator Bob could not catch this alligator. So they eventually tell Alligator Bob to get lost. And in comes this guy. Alligator Rob. We're not making this up. Alligator Rob. Real skinny guy with a beard. What's his name, Rob? I thought it was Ed. Oh, jeez, Louise. <laughs> Alligator his Ed sounds Rob. better. <laughs> Real skinny guy with a beard. Comes all the way from Florida. And in less than 24 yeah, hours, on July yeah. 16th, the alligator was captured. And finally, out of the Humboldt Park Lagoon. Boy, what a story. All right. A lot, you can learn a lot from the uh, gator story. I call it Gator Gate, as you recall. Uh, first of all, uh, animal stories. I said earlier, we love animal stories. Great diversion. Uh, a little tribute to Larry Lujek. Don't rip the paper this time. Uh, great animal. Uh, Larry Lujek with his animal stories. Number two, learned a lot about hipsters. Uh, I'm kind of new to the whole hipster thing, D. I just say that. Hipsters love this story. Hipsters were just like... I think it was synonymous. I, I think it, 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 like the area itself, a lot of hipsters mm -hmm. are moving into the area. I've seen a whole lot of catfish, some turtles. Uh, no gators yet, though. Exhibit A, right there. And, uh, He's pumped for yeah, 2020, so, by the so way, like, Legal yeah. Reaper. Yeah. <laughs> some parallels to the Legal Reaper. They love this story. All right, they just love the gator story. And let's give a shout out to Jen Sabella, Black Club. They were all over this story. Uh, there, there's no truth to the rumor that Jen Sabella put the alligator in there and then started covering it. Jen, I got you covered on that one. No <laughs> truth to that rumor. But they did kill that story. Uh, and then there was, uh, you, you read the Tribune headlines. Mm -hmm. we, we had a great fun uh, comparing Tribune headlines to Sun-Times headlines. And I just got to say, my beloved bright one. Yeah, though. and I realized, though, that it kind of paid off, though, like towards the end when you're doing these end-of-the-year countdowns, though. Like, it's very, uh, you know, very to the point on these headlines. The so tribute like headlines, the tribute yeah, yeah. But sometimes I'd have, like, Gator, Gator, Gator. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, I would then sing the song, Gator Got Your Granny. Oh, and uh, it was a great, it was a, a really good week. Uh, I saw a lot about human nature in this story. The way in which the city turned against Alligator Bob. You know, like he couldn't get the gator. So everybody's like, then they love alligator. Are you sure it's uh, it's, it's Rob? It's not, not Ed. Ed. <laughs> I don't know where you got that from. I just kind of like alligator Ed. Alligator Ed from, uh, yeah, everybody. Oh, oh, we love him. He got to throw out the ball at the Cubs game. Why didn't Bob get the, th Bob was out there, you know, for like a week trying to get that Yeah. <laughs> the dude did it in less than 24 hours. And then it told you a lot about the media. My beloved media uh, reporters, <laughs> they always felt compelled to put the parenthetical. We couldn't get his real name, a gal alligator gator Bob. We don't know his real name. He does won't give us <laughs> like digging for it. But they would have dug, done anything to find his real name is Billy Bob. But uh, they couldn't get it. So great story. Kept us amused for one week. Uh, oh, uh, by the way, sorry, Pat Rod waited. I forgot to put that in the news. Uh, yeah, uh, his name was Chance the Snapper. That oh, the yeah, Chance the, the Snapper. I think the bright one came up with that. The Sun-Times came up oh, with Chance. Block, I think it was Block Club Chicago, right? All right, Jen Sabella. Another, another shout-out to Jen Sabella. I don't know who came up with the it. The editor but. of uh, Block Club. Anyway, no truth to the rumor that Jen Sabella put that gator in the lagoon, all right? All right, time for number eight. <laughs> Gator got your granny. Number eight. All right, I don't have any audio for this one. Number eight, our number eight story also happened in July. July 6th, it's Confederate Railroad mm. Gate. 
the time when country band Confederate Railroad was booked to play in the DeCoin State Fair, but then was pulled from the event by the Illinois governor because of their use of the Confederate flag in their band logo. Ben, you recall Confederate Railroad Gate, don't you? Yeah, we talked about it a lot on the show. What were your thoughts on that? Well, I don't blame them for pulling them. I mean, the Confederate flag is a symbol of slavery and people who went to war to keep slavery. I mean, it's kind of offensive, don't you think? I think you could take kind of out yeah. of the sentence. I mean, slavery, people. It's like, don't we have any standards? The band's logo features a steam locomotive flying Confederate flags. The flag has been criticized as a racist emblem of slavery and segregation, but supporters say it represents history. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, slavery was in our history. Yeah. Oh, we can't teach it in the schools, but it's okay to celebrate it with a flag. Well, they're good musicians. I know. All right, that with different. All right, can you name one song by them? Oh, yeah, I'm going down the railroad. I don't know. I got nothing. A spokeswoman for J.B. Pritzker, Emily Bittner, said that the administration prohibits using state resources to, quote, promote symbols of racism. A lot of Illinoisans disagreed and challenged the governor. Pritzker responded to those who questioned why Snoop Dogg is still performing at the state fair in Springfield. Snoop's 2017 album, Make America Crip Again, features a cartoon of a dead body with a toe tag that says Trump. There's an enormous difference between the political satire, the discussion by a single artist, his political views, and the representation of truly millions of people being enslaved. Hundreds of thousands of people being killed under the banner of treason, essentially, Pritzker told reporters following an unrelated news conference. Uh, Remember, it was this is Pritzker. Remember, it was the banner of the Confederate flag that the assassin of Abraham Lincoln, our favorite son, the son of Illinois, was murdered. He continued, it's our number eight story, Confederate Railroad Gate. I was with Pritzker in that one 100%. And, uh, you know, it's two for two. I'm with Pritzker 100%. It's not easy for me to say that when it comes to Illinois governors. But I was with them 100% on that one. And, uh, uh, yeah, and then they threw Snoop Dogg, some, some downstate rep. What about Snoop Dogg? You know, always trying to find something that gets them off the hook. Like, well, liberals are racist, too. What about Snoop Dogg? Comparing Snoop Dogg to, like, 300 years of slavery is ridiculous. All right, so we're going to. Pause it right there. Hmm. We're going to continue our countdown. I really like the countdown. Before we get out of here, uh, we'll go through number six. And what we plan to do is, as a bonus, a Benny J bonus interview, the top five Chicago and or Illinois stories of 2019. You'll have to download it at both Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader websites, or wherever else you download your favorite podcast. But like I said, before today's show ends, we will find out number seven and number six. So stick around, everybody. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, 
as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J E F F M as in Mary, A N as in Nancy, U E L P I A N I S T.com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. break over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show live from the chicago sun times it's reefer day on the ben jarofsky show it is indeed reefer day actually it's the day before reefer day uh tomorrow marijuana becomes legal in the state of illinois a lot of people waiting a long time for that so uh, we brought in lisa solomon she probably knows more about marijuana or cannabis as they call what you know what lisa (laughs) my first question to you will be what's the difference between reefer and cannabis well Reefer and cannabis, same thing. My kids in their 20s say, it's weed, mom. Stop calling it pot or cannabis, it's weed. Oh. So to get with today's times, call it weed. Okay. But marijuana is a term that was created decades ago to throw men of color in jail. All right, hold that thought because that's a unbelievable thought to take the deep dive. I wanna do two things. One, before we take the deep dive with Lisa uh, Solomon on marijuana, cannabis, reefer, weed, I just wanna say one thing that eluded me. I got a tip from a little tipster named Pat. It is a certain person's birthday today. A certain person was born on this day about 20 years ago. That's correct. His name is Dr. D. Ladies (laughs) and gentlemen, happy birthday (laughs) to the young man from Alton, Illinois. Back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D, but a lot of people also call him White light. No one calls me that. I'm Dennis. How's it going? Uh, all right. Happy birthday, young man. Thanks. I I guess I knew it, forgot it, and the young Pat Whalen just called me Wait, up. Wait, you forgot something. Get out of here. It's all that reefer I smoked back oh, in the 70s. God. Yeah, it's my birthday. All right. Well, happy birthday, man. Thanks. So uh, for, as, as a birthday present, uh, Lisa Solomon is going to give you a lot of legal weed. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I wouldn't have turned it down. Uh, I like the Gotta illegal stuff. Uh, yeah, right. It's not legal to the tomorrow okay so stop smoking it anyway let's turn our attention back to lisa some lisa before we uh the, the, take that dive into why they call it marijuana so they could lock up people of color which let's not forget that the war on drugs uh as we celebrate the end we're really celebrating like the first phase of the end of the war on drugs yes the first um, phase the first phase uh tell people who you are what you do and how you know so much about reefer Okay, so right now I'm doing cannabis events for the Chicago Reader. We've got a great lineup of events coming for 2020. The first one, you won't see it online for another week or two, but is Wednesday, February 5th. It's at the Creative Arts Incubator 2112 on the north side of the city. We're gonna have a lot of exhibitors, maybe some CBD vendors, because the cannabis companies can't sell outside of the dispensaries. But they will be there with lots of empty packaging Lots of empty packaging and lots of great swag. There is so much stuff. You can get jars to keep your butt in. If you're watching, I'm holding some up. Things to keep your shatter in. Uh, grinders. They got everything Wait, there for you. Wait, shatter? <laughs> I'm gonna let someone else explain that. I'm not an expert on shatter. It's a, it's a highly concentrated form. Of so I'm unfamiliar with that too. Shatter, man. Dab, whatever. Oh, dabs and all that. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what you It's like smoke. Uh, could you guys speak English? <laughs> I feel like this lady went to my living room and just brought all this stuff from it. <laughs> all right. So. all right. So we're doing a lot of events, and then April third and fourth, save the date. There's going to be a huge cannabis convention downtown Chicago at the Sheridan, mm. the Illinois Cannabis Convention. 
uh, an operator came to the reader, asked us to partner with them to be their local partner. They've done 30 conventions in eight different states. They know what they're doing. They've always done B2B. They came to us, said, will you be our partner? We said, yes, but we want to add consumer-facing programming. So what that means is we're going to have uh, doctors, pharmacists, all sorts of medical experts come in, home grow experts, so people can learn how they can grow their own plants for those who can legally grow in 2020. Uh, we're gonna have cooking experts. You can learn how to make your own tinctures at home. And we'll talk more about what a tincture is in yes. a few minutes. But so that is gonna be amazing. We're doing a low ticket price for consumers. That'll be posted online next week. It's NECAN, Illinois, N-E-C-A-N-N. Illinois, Google that, it'll come right up. Okay, very good. All right, now, Lisa, let's get back to that marijuana question. Uh, it's a political show. You know, I can't avoid political ah. topics. Marijuana was a name that was given to uh, this substance in order to uh, justify locking up people of color. Take the deep dive, explain what you meant by that. Well, they actually started calling it marijuana to make it sound like a dirty Mexican thing that was being brought up to our country. And it's prohibition. That's what it is. So there's a movie I'm going to recommend to everyone. It's on Netflix. It's one of my favorite cannabis films. It's called Grass. There's more than one grass. So make sure it's the one from 1999 narrated by Woody Harrelson. It's two hours. It is riveting. It takes you through everything. I think it was Nixon who had 83 different medical experts, mostly physicians, do research. He said, I want you to give me the proof that marijuana is dangerous and bad. And every single group came back and said, not only can we not find anything dangerous about it, we think there are some medicinal benefits. He, was it Anslinger, uh, tried to confiscate all the reports. Watch the movie in case I'm getting any of that confused. But they tried to confiscate every single printed copy because, of course, didn't have the Internet back then. So the only copies that existed were in print because they didn't want the public to see that. They, so, they didn't want the public to see that because why? Because there were medical benefits. It was good. There was nothing bad about it. It's a beautiful plant. And if you look up and can find old copies of like Merck manuals and physician desk references and pharma catalogs, you will see there were almost a hundred tinctures. So a tincture is an oil made from the cannabis plant. There were almost a hundred on the market that were legal. And during this time of prohibition, when they were trying to schedule it as a schedule one drug, which they succeeded in doing, uh, the AMA, the American Medical Association, actually pleaded with the government not to do that. They said, we do not have other medicines to treat some of these conditions. You're taking away medicines from people that need them. A little known fact, mm -hmm. a large percentage of those were female medical issues. <laughs> so what did these white men in power care if the women were gonna have horrible cramps? You know, and, and other things. So yeah. it was prohibition. And there's another cannabis movie I love. So write this down. That one was Grass, Woody Harrelson, 1999. There's a movie that came out late 2018 called Weed the People. <laughs> Ricky Lake is the executive producer. She doesn't appear in the film, but she did so much. This was her passion project. It's also available on Netflix. And this movie tracks some pediatric cancer patients. Their journey, it talks about their chemo, their tr traditional Western medicine treatments, and then what happened with cannabis. I don't want to say too much other than have the tissues ready. I've seen it six times, and I go through lots and lots of tissues every time. It pulls at your heartstrings, not only seeing what these kids go through, but to start to understand how many lives have been lost mm -hmm. due to prohibition of cannabis. Now, what do you think changed uh, so that we are at the moment where we're at a day before the legalization of marijuana. I, I, I talk a lot about this, Lisa, back in the uh, early part of this decade when I first started writing about the injustice of uh, the war on drugs and how uh, black people get locked up for something that everybody does. And uh, there was 
there was just either indifference or apathy or hostility or fear on the issue. Politicians didn't want to talk about it. As recently as 2014, uh, Rahm Emanuel, when he announced he was running for re-election, said he was absolutely opposed to the legalization of marijuana and that he did not want to ever have to depend on marijuana taxes uh, to balance the budget. So that's how recent this is. Now, all of a sudden, here we are. It seems as... Uh, in 2020 we're gonna it's gonna be legal it's like a ball going down a hill all of a sudden it it was like going up the hill and just rolling down the hill what changed that uh, got us to this point so quickly uh it could be all the research coming out of europe and israel on the benefits of cannabis as a medicine that was one thing that helped a lot of people the social justice social equity people were more comfortable speaking up mm -hmm. and they were actually being heard by some people that still as you were saying we're, we're at stage one of that but there are some wonderful things in the works and i know illinois and chicago they're really struggling with how to make sure that equity piece actually happens as it was designed to the state legislators that worked on this legalization bill put a lot of effort into it mm -hmm. so now it's a question of will it play out the way it's supposed to there were people saying oh people were just checking off boxes and asking people to come in as supposed partners but not really giving them a share of the business that were people of color or that had these felony convictions so they're really trying to look into that to make sure that it's fair and that those people are equity partners in the business and that they have an active role not just that their name was thrown on the application but that they are contributing members mm -hmm. so right. let's hope that happens go yeah i was gonna say it's taken a long time that uh, uh joshua what you just described uh has been the case for 50 years and it it's as though overnight uh relatively speaking people came face to face with it because i'm telling you when when i would ask this is i talk about this so much but i can't get over this uh i i remember so many conversations with politicians back in around 2011 and i would mention these things to him joshua that you just alluded to the unfairness of and all the inequity of all the historical way in which uh it was used by uh a get tough on crime uh, politicians to justify locking people up and when I would talk, talk about that to people uh, politicians they go yeah but uh, can, I really don't I'm not comfortable talking about it it was as though they didn't know what to say because we had bought in like and I think this is a larger problem that I won't burden you with Lisa uh, but there's a larger problem where uh, people on the left my beloved people on the left my beloved Democrats just sort of buy into a worldview that the Republicans put out this is all about moving the country to the right if you move further to the right the Democrats generally follow the Republicans to the right and they betray them their people their constituents on so many issues of importance to them so this is just one of them so if the Republicans Republicans have claimed this war on drugs position, an absolute position that we're going to get tough on all the criminals and the drug dealers and the thugs and the hoods. And the Democrats just don't want to look weak, move to the right. And now all of a sudden we have this indefensible war on marijuana that people are even afraid to talk about as recently as six or seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And the penalties are just so different. If you're a, a white kid on, you know, in a nice suburb, you can get caught with a bunch of weed versus being a person of color on the south or west side, get caught with one joint, you can get thrown in jail. Yeah. So I want to make sure we talk about All right, let's go on. Some go ahead. Things. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So before I say anything else, I want to clarify, I am not a doctor. I'm not a medical expert. So anything I'm going to say related to ingestion and medical stuff, it's not medical advice. Do your research. Talk to a professional. But it's important with legalization coming. And tomorrow, some dispensaries will be open, some won't. Tom Shuba, who you've had on here plenty of times. Young Thomas. Uh, has done an article and have, has a link, I think, so you can figure out which, which dispensaries will be open tomorrow. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a shortage of flour. That's sort of the industry term for bud, for dried cannabis, because you can't buy it, you know, you can't buy the live fresh plants. Um, it's gonna be hard to get that. What there is a huge supply of is edibles. So even a lot of people that have smoked a lot have never tried edibles. They don't know what they're doing. They need to know. I wanna keep our emergency rooms open for people that actually need care in the emergency room. So 
Illinois and a lot of states said the maximum dose for an edible is 10 milligrams. So when you go to the dispensary, you'll see chocolate bars that are 100 milligrams scored into 10 rectangles or squares. So each square, you think, oh, this is one dose. I'm going to eat a square. That's what they're telling me a dose is. Or you get a bag of gummies, and one tiny little gummy is 10 milligrams of weed. All right. 10 milligrams of THC, I should say. That is going to get a lot of people really high and feel like they're dying. They're going crazy. So if you're going to try edibles, start low and stay slow. The other thing is, while a lot... That's a common... Start, start low, stay slow. Got it. Mm-hmm. All right. The other thing is, most people feel the effects of edibles in about 45 minutes. Might be half an hour for you, might be an hour, but there are plenty of people out there, including people I know in the industry, they don't feel it for three hours. So if you're sitting there with a bunch of friends, everyone takes some of the chocolate or has a gummy, and like all your friends are feeling high, and you're like, I don't feel anything. Let me have another one. Half an hour goes by, you don't feel anything. You have another one. At three hours, you're starting to feel it. Three and a half, four hours, you are stoned out of your mind. <laughs> yeah. um, so be careful. A lot of people recommend start at two or two and a half milligrams of THC your first time. The other thing is don't do it when you're going to have to drive the next morning because if it doesn't kick in for three hours and you're taking it like eight o'clock at night, when you eat it, it lasts six to eight hours. You might get up and try to drive to work and you're high. Don't drive high. It's not worth it. It's really not. So the other thing uh, to think about is you were saying, yeah, it's legal. Okay. But it is illegal to give someone cannabis without letting them know there's cannabis in the product. You can't just give your friends gummies or chocolate without telling them. Don't do that. Okay. I, I see people making, <laughs> you know, joking about that, but you really don't want to do that. Yeah. And there are some home remedies that a lot of people say work to bring you down if you take too much. There is some research out there that says this is true, but I don't know. But if you happen to have too much, uh, limonene. Limonene is a terpene. We're not going to get into terpenes, cannabinoids, flavonoids, all those things, but um, terpenes are things that occur in a lot of plants. It's in every citrus that there is. It's in a lot of cannabis. So if you make some fresh squeeze lemonade, you can put the sugar in it, water it down as much as you want. Put some of the lemon zest in it too, because mm -hmm. the lemon zest is what has a high concentration of limonene. Drink that. That should help bring you down some. Um, CBD. Just have a CBD tincture on hand. What that does, CBD actually will go sit on the receptor sites that break down the THC. So instead, the THC is just gonna get flushed out of your system. Because when you eat it, it becomes a much stronger form of THC than when you smoke it. They're actually chemical names. It becomes 11-hydroxy-THC. When you eat it, when you smoke it, it's delta-9. So there's a difference. So there's uh, there's evidence from other states like Colorado that went legal of people binging. Like people just, uh, just rushing out, getting the edibles, eating more edibles than they should, not realizing... Uh, that they're eating too much or not getting that high right away. So eating more, well, I'm not getting high. I'll eat more. <laughs> I knew someone that ate half a bar and slept for like two days. I hear so many stories. <laughs> yeah. Yes, like, two days. It lasts 48 hours wild. when you have too much. Yeah. So you predict, uh, both of you think that like within the next week or so, we're going to see articles filling the paper about uh, people uh, having bad reactions. Oh. And then it'll, of course, start start up the the call to make it illegal again. Oh, I think that would amplify. They're going to choose the most obscure stories <laughs> and just amplify those. Yeah. But it's all about education. Anything you right. do, be an educated consumer. Mm -hmm. That's what's mm -hmm. so important here. All right. Now, I'm going to show, expose my utter ignorance about uh, marijuana, cannabis, reefer, whatever you want to call it. I'm not ashamed or afraid to expose my utter ignorance, as my dear friend Milo can attest, who's uh, just joined us. Uh, he'll be on in a little while. So, all right. So, are there different variants of this beast that have less of an impact uh, on uh, people's propensity to lose their freaking minds. Yes. Go ahead. Great question. Thank you. 
Okay, so first of all, raw cannabis can't get you high. What does that mean, raw cannabis? The, the plant, until it's heated, there's a chemical process called decarboxylation. The THC actually loses a molecule uh-huh. and goes from being an acid, which has, not like acid acid, I'm talking about like acid-based in chemistry. Um, yeah, At least but, I love it when you get all scientific <laughs> and stuff. It's like a chemistry class. And I've learned all this over the past couple of years by attending conferences and mm-hmm. um, taking online courses. But so I actually brought a bottle of a tincture for those of you looking, this is liquid THCA. When it has that A attached, it means it's raw. So this is good for neural repair. It's a neural protectant, can help with focus, cannot get you high. You could drink the whole bottle, you Wait, couldn't get high. Wait, what's neural repair mean? Neural. Oh, so what does that mean? Oh, so there is a lot of research out there that's been showing the benefits of using THCA and different compounds in cannabis for patients with Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, a lot of different disorders and traumatic brain injuries and post-concussion syndrome. It's like a miracle drug. Again, not a doctor. A lot of it's anecdotal. <laughs> yeah, that's my line. That's it. He always goes, "Not a doctor." Uh, so whatever. So if you, you, what's that thing that you take a little dabble? Do you if you have a like what you're forgetful or something? Is well, over time it, it can help. Uh-huh. They're actually doing studies to show differences. I think in the brain. Hmm. So, and again, a lot of this research is being done in Europe and Israel because the U.S. is making a very difficult. It's still illegal federal on the federal books. Illegal on the federal level. Yeah. Yeah. So don't take it to O'Hare on an airplane when you're flying to California. I have a friend got stopped at the Denver airport a couple months ago. She'd flown with it plenty of times. Mm. You know, you're not supposed to, but she had a vape pen and a chocolate bar. Mm. And they had the Denver police there. I don't know why they decided to start checking. They were unzipping like dop kits and inside pockets of purses and looking for things. So she had virtually none on her, but all of a sudden these three cops are saying, you're about to, you know, commit a federal offense. Mm-hmm. When you go through there, if you board that airplane, you know, they confiscated, scared the crap out of her mm. and then let her go. So wait, so that stuff that you just showed me, uh, that won't, okay, it's been so long since I've been high, but that won't get you high like in the old days you got high, you know? This can't get you high, and I actually, getting high is not my thing. I'm about using it for medical benefits and microdosing, which is using the smallest amount you can to get the therapeutic effect without the high. All right. Does so, it help with headaches? Yes. Yes, if you get the right one. Oh, something I really want to um, share. When we talked about having too much, how you might feel like you're dying or going crazy. There is research out there to show that people with anxiety disorders can be greatly helped by cannabis if they keep the dose really low. For those with anxiety disorders, if they go over their therapeutic dose, and that's something you gotta figure out on your own because every body responds differently. And will respond differently on different days, differently based on what's in their stomach, what they're eating it with. It can create greatly elevated levels of anxiety. So be really careful if you're an anxious person, really start low. And if you start to find you're getting anxious as you're upping your dosage, you've gone too far, take a step back. Mm -hmm. Did you ever see the Larry David show, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, where he takes, (laughs) smokes the joint? You saw that particular episode? I saw that, remind me what happens. Oh yeah, that's one of my favorite shows, uh, my episodes. It's the one in which, uh, if you've seen it, Larry David, (laughs) what a character. Okay, so in in LA, uh, they have uh, special lanes on the highway because it's so traffic congested for people who are commuting with other people, so if not a solo. So Larry David wants to get to the Dodgers game really fast, but he's alone in a car. So he's figuring out, what can I do to get in the commuting lane? He's a prostitute. So he, <laughs> freaking Larry David. So he asked the prostitute to come into the car with him and just so she'll go with it. So she negotiates a deal. All I want you to do. And then so she starts bargaining with her. Anyway, she gets in the car with them. So they go in the commuting lane. They go to the Dodgers game. Now he's hanging out with her for the whole day. And she has reefer. And so they end up smoking reefer. And he's at home. And it really hits home for anybody. This gets into the people to the point you're t- talking about. Like he's looking in the mirror and he's saying, I'm a worthless human being. I don't work hard enough. I'm lazy. And it's just like marijuana is not for everybody. You know? It is not for everybody. It can do great things for a lot of people and some not so great things for others, especially for anyone who takes too much. 
kind of like an apples and oranges comparison here, but it's kind of like alcohol. If you, you have to know what your body can take and what you're going to respond well or bad to. It's like, am I going to drink, am I going to take a shot of Malort or am I going to take a shot of tequila? You know, what's going to, what's going to affect you differently? My wife and I went to Washington state not too long ago and we went into one of these dispensaries just to check it out. Nothing, no, no funny business. And uh, it was like we were in a pharmacy. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, do you have anxiety, you have eczema, you know, stress? What is it? And then they'll ju- they just laid everything out. Here's the array. We can choose this. Help with this. They'll help with that. It was amazing to, to experience. So presumably, Lisa, uh, following up what Josh was saying, uh, the people at the uh, dispensaries tomorrow will be offering the same cautionary advice that you're offering. Yeah. Uh, oh, it would be nice if they did, but it's going to be so busy. Some people come in, they're like, okay, is this your first experience with cannabis? Oh, no, no, no. They buy stuff, but they don't understand the weed today is so much stronger than it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. You know, in college, people who, you know, were in college, 70s, 80s, probably even 90s, you know, passing around a bong, passing around the joints, many, many hits. You're like a little high. Now, one hit can get you higher than you've ever been before. This stuff is so strong, the THC content is really high. And I've heard talk that they may end up limiting the THC content of what they're selling for rec. So a whole nother conversation is why have a medical card if it's legal. Mm -hmm. All right, Uh, so get into the issue of the shortage. Uh, that the paper, I think Thomas Shuba in today's uh, Sun Times had a story about uh, potential shortage uh, yes. tomorrow. They just expect that they won't be able to keep up with the demand. Uh, why is this? Well, there are already shortages because of the alternative to opioids program and the way they changed the process of getting a medical card where you can get an instant temporary card online. The patient count jumped from around 50,000 to about 85,000 in a very short period of time. So. There is already a shortage, and a lot of medical patients can't get what they usually take. And every strain is drift, is different, so when you find something that works for you, you wanna stick with it. So even if you look at the profile and see some of the main components, they react differently together. There's something called an entourage effect. So there are medical patients I see in these forums online, I can't get my stuff, has anyone been able to find it anywhere? And so dispensers are required to keep product aside for medical patients. However, what I've seen is they're required to keep what was in demand six months ago, which was when the patient count was probably about half, maybe two thirds yeah. of what it is now. Mm-hmm. So there's not much flour. You're not gonna be able to get much smokable. I don't know about the supply of vape mm-hmm. cartridges. And so how long do you think this shortage will last? Uh, I'm hearing it's going to be three to five months probably. I heard from one company they're expecting the flour to dry up, to be gone in three days. Another one said five to seven days. I think in Tom's article, someone said maybe week and a half. So we just don't know. But some dispensaries are limiting what they will sell to people because they want more people to get a chance to get it. Yeah, and of course, uh, people with the, the medical cards go to the head of the line. They are gonna have procedures for that, yes. Yeah, all right, Uh, and the cost. What do you anticipate the cost to be? I don't think the cost is going up. I think it's about $60 for an eighth, because I don't don't buy that. I'm getting more tinctures and edibles, and one chocolate bar lasts me three months when I use it for sleep. All right, and excuse, again, my utter ignorance. It's been a long time since I purchased the product. Uh, I never heard of an eighth. So what's an eighth? Uh, <laughs> I'll take that one. Uh, <laughs> um, it's like a, it's probably that big, maybe. Uh, so okay, so for that's a podcast, like a nug- that's that'd like be a like a nugget form, yeah, sixty dollars, like big, bigger than a quarter, I'd Good say. Gosh. Right? What'd you say? And and I'm hearing the street prices between yeah. like forty five and sixty. When you go into yeah. the dispensary, you've got taxes, but when you're buying into dispensary, it has been lab tested. Mm-hmm. You know, it's free of toxins, of heavy metals, of pesticides, yeah. because hemp and the cannabis plants they soak up a lot of that stuff we want out of the soil. They use hemp to clean up nuclear waste sites. Mm-hmm. So like CBD, don't buy it at the gas station unless that brand has real lab testing online, be careful about your CBD, be very careful. Because some stuff could be cut that you're, you may be buying on the street. Right? Yeah, on the street, like, you, don't you don't know really what's know in it. What's, yeah. All right, uh, so you're gonna tell me what the difference between hemp and cannabis is. Uh, okay, with this whole prohibition thing, the federal government just drew a line in the sand, said if it's higher than 0.3% THC in the plant, 
then it's cannabis. And if it's under that, it's industrial hemp. So it, it's really the same thing. And they've had issues for a couple years now with hemp shipments getting confiscated because the police can't tell the difference. They're like seizing truckloads of this stuff. And then the companies are fighting for like months to get it back and it sits in there, it can mold, they lose everything. So there are now, there's equipment, it's amazing, like the size of a briefcase, they can actually test at roadside. But you might have one plant, instead of being 0.3, it's 0.31, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very arbitrary and unfair and that needs to change. All right, now, uh, before I let you go, you have a whole bunch of other products okay. on your, uh, right in front of you, you wanna talk about them? Okay. So I brought some things in because when you go to dispensaries in Illinois, everything is like double and triple sealed. The laws are really strict. There was one dispensary in Colorado, they had these big gorgeous glass jars of bud and they'd open it up here, smell this one, you know, they're looking at waft. They can't do that in Illinois, that's illegal, it has to be sealed. So these are actually hemp pre-rolls that I got at a hemp conference. So they're basically, they're joints, but it's hemp inside what's considered hemp instead of cannabis. So there's CBD, and when I was at this conference, there were some people that smoked cigarettes, and like, you know what, I got it, let me try this. And they're like, ah, okay, Milo's got a whole pack, let's show him the whole pack. Whoa. Okay, so here's one, yeah, American Spirit sells. a shorty. A shorty, okay. So, <laughs> tell you the man knows everything. Milo Samarja, one of it Chicago's is. finest writers. We'll have him on. So, just an aside, uh, if it's helpful, an eighth uh, is an eighth of an ounce. So that's an eighth of like an ounce. A, yeah, so maybe okay, a couple weeks or I, something. I maybe, probably, depending wait, on how much you smoke. Uh, have Milo discuss this because uh, it's more of the historical reference. Sorry. But back in the day, there was something called a nickel bag. Yeah, it was five bucks. Yeah, well, it was more like, yeah, so we'll ask my, explain what the difference between a nickel bag and an eighth is. My God, you're old. <laughs> a nickel bag, man. So when you go in, like this is a package, this had chocolates in it. Yeah. So when I say it's double and triple sealed, like this is in here, it's sealed, there are labels telling you what was in that batch, the exact percentage of THC, CBD, and some other popular cannabinoids. Pop this open. So when you buy bud when you're buying the plant now it's going to be in a container like this mm-hmm. it's not going to be in a baggie okay <laughs> the old nickel bag i got you and you're not supposed to open up in your car there are legal limits as to how much you can possess um just a word of warning because i know you're trying to wrap up with me here starting tomorrow you can legally like make you know pot dinners weed dinners for all of your friends if you tell them it's infused yes but the most that any one person is allowed to possess legally at any one time is 30 grams, which is about an ounce. But there's actually an article in the reader, there was a column to be blunt, and there's one, I think it's called Supper Clubs. Mm -hmm. But if you look at that, the attorney who's very weed friendly, and he's a cannabis attorney, breaks down how many hundreds of people you can get high with one ounce of cannabis. So he's like, don't even think about putting an ounce into your dinner for a few friends. They're not gonna be leaving your house for days. Yeah, a weed attorney, what a concept. Uh, Uh, Can I ask you a quick question about the weed dinners? If you're renting, are you allowed legally to do that after today? Oh, if you rent, it depends on your landlord. Okay, yeah, actually, this, the current copy of the reader, which is on the stands for two weeks, because January 2nd is the one day off during the year this year, there's a pullout in the middle from a cannabis attorney from one of the top cannabis law firms in the country. He's got some do's and don'ts, mm. and he addresses what happens if you're in a rental or a condo, and if you're in a CHA, building public housing, you can get evicted because it's federally illegal. So you can have your Oxy and all your Benzos and take any of those prescription drugs that have a lot of side effects for a lot of people. But if you get caught with weed, you can get thrown out, so be careful. I think I should bring that weed uh, lawyer on. Uh, Just a a reefer lawyer, what a concept. In the old days, it was the guy who bailed you out of jail. Now it's, uh, you go to this guy for advice, but uh, yeah, uh, I I know I'm trying to restrict myself, and restrain myself from pointing out the political ramifications of all this, but just one more point I want to say. You know, this whole, the war on drugs was hit hardest at the poor people in this country, at black people in this country. And guess it, guess what? It's still illegal uh, in public housing projects. This freaking mm-hmm. country, Milo, I'm looking at Milo, we're old enough to know. It takes a while for anything resembling social justice t- uh, to occur. All right, I want to get a prediction from you, Lisa, and that is this. Tomorrow, January 1st, it's legal. 
So there'll be uh, lots of things happening all over the, the state or over the city. What do you predict the headlines will be on a young Tom Shuba's article on the second and the third and all the other reporters who are covering uh, uh, the, the first day of Reefer? What do you think the headlines will be? What are your predictions? Chicago is now a happy place. Lots of happy people walking around. But no, I agree with Joshua. We're going to see some crazy headlines about the anti-cannabis people trying to demonize it again. Yeah. And I, we need a lot of people on the other side to balance that out. We need people like Tom Shuba and people who understand what this really is to show some balanced articles. Um, one other thing I want to show, I just brought a couple books. So if people want to learn more, there are books. These are just a couple in my library. Uh, vitamin weed, cannabis pharmacy, and then there's a cookbook, the 420 Gourmet. <laughs> People in Illinois, and such in the industry. 420 Gourmet. Oh, he, he's great, great guy. He's got, you know, for any Jewish listeners thinking about their Passover menu, he's got a recipe for pizza ball soup in there. Pots of balls um, okay. It's one of his signature dishes. Um, I love that. <laughs> All right. Lots of great things. Yeah, but uh, put those uh, reader events, the February 5th one, look for it soon, Green Space Sessions. Well, we'll bring you back session. before that February okay. 5th one to promote right. that one a little more. Just yeah. you have to remind me, okay? I will remind you. Because I smoked a lot of reefer back in the 70s. <laughs> I can't remember any. And I'll get you some great cannabis attorneys to come on, pharmacists, Canadocs, a lot of people on here to educate Wait, your... Wait, Canadocs? Oh, yeah. There are doctors that now are open to talking to patients, helping patients get off their opioids and, you know, switch over to cannabis. cannabis. Yeah. All right. That uh, I just never heard the word Canadox. Um, <laughs> all right. Very good. Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. Lisa Solomon, uh, the reader's reefer expert. Uh, what a job. What a title. Thank you she, for having me. Uh, she knows her stuff. You'll be hearing from her a lot in the coming year. Uh, thank you very much, Lisa. Happy New Year. And uh, happy Reefer Day. How about that? <laughs> happy Reefer Day. Happy New Year, Ben. We're going to take a break, and the great Milo Samarge will be on. The man knows more about marijuana than anyone in the world. Poor <laughs> 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 man, you're putting the pressure on me. Uh, he's a great writer, a great friend of mine. Milo Samarge, we're going to bring him on. We're going to talk all things marijuana. We'll probably get into culture. Uh, don't forget, uh, with Joshua, we're going to have the great quiz. Milo doesn't know about this. We're going to have the uh, rally playlist quiz. Uh, an exploration of their musical knowledge. Maybe a smoking a joint will help them. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> when you lose a loved one whose wishes were to be cremated, Chicagoland Cremation Options provides your family a dignified and affordable cremation service. Chicagoland Cremation Options helps you bypass the expensive overhead of a funeral home or cemetery by streamlining the cremation directly. It saves you sometimes thousands of dollars. Chicagoland Cremation Options Crematory, just south of O'Hare, five minutes west of Chicago. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. You can find them at ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time, ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. It's Chicagoland's adult entertainment playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter.